Welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast. My name is Melody Hester, and I'm really glad that we're going to spend time together today. The conversation that you're about to listen to is one that we had with Pastor Rich Viotis. He is an author and lead pastor at New Life Fellowship in Queens, New York. If you're not following Rich on social media, can I just be bold and kind of tell you that you need to? He shares such encouraging wisdom and insight, and it's often a highlight of my day to learn from him and the things that he shares. This conversation was originally recorded at the Child Discipleship Forum, where Rich was one of our speakers, and his full talk is available at childdiscipleship.com. But for now, here's that conversation with Rich. Rich, thanks for doing this. Um, to get things started, can you let folks know a little bit about ministry and what day-to-day life looks like for you? Yeah, I have the great joy of pastoring New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York City. It's a church that's been around for about 36 years, started by a guy named Pete Scazzaro, who's written a number of books on emotional health and spirituality. Uh, 15 years ago, I started uh, attending there well, as a pastor, and then 10 years ago, succeeded Pete. And so at the time of this recording, like in two weeks, I'll be there for 10 years. As Congratulations. Yeah, still there. Church is still there. <laughs> so uh, it's it's been a great ride. And in terms of what's happening on a given week, yeah, I have the great joy of, of leading a staff team um, as we think about discipleship and formation, preaching, casting vision, thinking about the particular kind of culture that forms Jesus in mm-hmm. people deeply. So uh, that's what I get to do on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. So for a lot of our time today, what I want to focus on is some of the work in your book, The Deep Informed Life, mm-hmm. which I couldn't recommend enough for those of you who haven't had a chance to read it. And particularly this question that keeps coming to mind for me, engaging with that work and engaging with your any of your ministries, engaging with your social media, frankly, mm-hmm. is how a deeply formed life causes us to disciple differently. Yeah. You know, I think today's leaders, today's parents are having this moment where they're looking at the world that their kids are growing up in and having this recognition of it is a different environment than it was for me. Mm. And yet what I see in deeply formed life is the closest we can point to as sort of a solution. Yeah. So to put that actually in the form of a question, how does a deeply formed life cause us to disciple differently? Yeah. You know, the, the goal of the deeply formed life for me is, Galatians 4.19, where Paul looks at the church and says, I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Mm-hmm. And so just to be clear, deeply formed life is just another way of saying the life of Jesus Christ, the character of Christ, a life of communion with Christ being formed in people. So that's just the end goal in mind before they go, what, what does that mean? It's yeah. Jesus being formed in us, Galatians 4.19. But how we get there, I think, is really important. And so the deeply formed life is about holding together aspects of discipleship that are often segmented or compartmentalized. Mm. Now, this emerges out of the life of our church. And so when I wrote these five values that for me serve as uh, the framework of formation for this generation and emerging generations, um, I wrote them because they came out of the life of our church. I live in the city that never sleeps. And so we needed to talk about contemplative rhythms, what it means to slow down our lives to be with God. 
I pastor a church where over 75 nations are represented in the congregation and 123 languages are spoken in the neighborhood. And so we need to figure out life together. Mm-hmm. So I talk about racial and ethnic and cultural reconciliation. Uh, it's very easy to live life on the surface and not think about our own interior lives, our own emotional health. And so uh, interior examination is really important. Sexuality has rampantly just changed and uh, the, 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 the speed and pace of change is very difficult to keep up with. What does it mean to have a theology that holds together spirituality and sexuality? And then yeah. what does it mean to be on mission? So discipling differently for me is holding together aspects of formation that are often segmented, compartmentalized, or not even addressed. Mm-hmm. So the deeply formed life is really trying to, of course, through scripture, through a wrestling of theology, through prayer and spiritual practices, but it's really identifying those five areas in particular and holding them together in the name of Jesus. Amen, man. You know, we're here having this conversation live at the 2023 Child Discipleship Forum. And what I love about having you bring this conversation to the leaders here, to the leaders who are going to be watching this experience or listening to us have this conversation, is it feels very of the moment. When I think about the conversations that Awana is involved in every day, we have folks who are telling us, man, like, I hear you saying this is important, yeah. but I don't know how. I don't have the capacity. I don't, I'm not seeing enough. My pastor isn't connected to this conversation. And yet, what I love about what you're articulating is you're not saying go do more programs. You're mm-hmm. saying go be more connected to the life of Jesus. Yeah. And the sweetness of that is evident, but there's a level of simplicity of that because I think it's so easy for us. It's so easy for me, certainly to go try to do this all on my own. Yeah. And I would imagine you talk about pastoring in the city that never sleeps. You have, you have a new family that walks in that door. Mm -hmm. And my assumption would be that you have folks who are like, man, I want to do these things, but my life has been pulled and stretched thin because I have, I've believed that that is what is required of me. Yeah. How do you begin to help those parents or that family or whatever that family structure is understand like there is, you know, John 10, 10, like there's more to life Mm -hmm. than what you are currently being told. Yeah. In some ways I think it's a matter of casting a beautiful vision of what life looks like in Jesus. Mm. And at the same time, confronting the ways that we've been shaped by the surrounding culture and our families of origin. And so just whenever a new family steps into our church, I just naturally assume, uh, because this is true for every human being in the world, that you have been shaped by a particular culture, a particular force, a particular set of people. And unless we are looking back to underscore and outline the ways that those ways are inconsistent with Jesus, we're going to have a hard time moving forward. I mean, one of the things that we say at our church is, you know, Jesus might live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. And that's our way of saying that. that we have all inherited positive legacies from our families. Yeah. And we've inherited negative legacies from our families that are inconsistent with Jesus. And so part of, to be part of our church, another thing I say is, you know, enter at your own risk mm. because we're going to invite you to go places that you might not necessarily want to go. But this is what it means to follow Jesus. When, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, um, that's a significant statement letting us know from the very beginning that to follow Jesus is going to take a radical reordering of life that in, in some ways is painful. Yeah. And um, so I just, uh, the, folks come in and that's my assumption. This is 
we want to be cast vision and we want to let them know you've been formed in particular ways. What does it mean to undo those things to pursue Christ? Yeah. Because almost to contextualize it, maybe even around like a rhythm of a Sabbath, right? Yeah. Just to, to even bring it down to that level of important, but that level of practicality. Yeah. Out as again, I would believe you would have parents who are like, man, I know that's important, but I don't know how. And then you would have parents who are like, I don't even understand how to conceptualize that. Yeah. And what I think is important, particularly for that first group, because we all fall into that first group, right? Yeah. We all fall into that sort of overburdened, tired, uh, I'm more of a chauffeur than a parent type of yeah. place. Like we all have seasons of that. Yeah. And I think what I hear you calling out in so much of your work, particularly in the deeply formed life, is the sooner you are reorienting your life, the better. Yeah. The sooner you are connecting back to the ways of Jesus, mm -hmm. your kids are going to pick up on that. Yeah. And what I'm curious about, you know, we're having this conversation about a book that came out a couple of years ago, but you've also been engaged in this ministry for a while. And this is clearly so, uh, so much of who you are. What is it? How would you describe for people what it looks like to be in a house that has been shaped by these rhythms? Yeah. You know, if I'm a leader and I'm looking at this child, what is that child going to grow up in yeah. if we have done this right? Yeah. It's a great question. And I say this um, in some ways, I think I am qualified. And in some ways, I'm unqualified to respond to this because I have a 14 year old and a nine year old. Sure. Um, but um, the first thing I would say, though, is discipleship is not a matter of living something perfectly, but wrestling with something faithfully. Mm. And. Um, if we think that, okay, to be a disciple of Jesus means we have to get all these things right and we can't have any hiccups along the way and some challenges, I think we're going to be sorely disappointed. And so just to name the expectation here, uh, the deeply formed life or home that's giving themselves to this is, is a home that is wrestling faithfully with what it means to follow Jesus. Um, it, it is oriented around a different way or rule of life. You know, our family and our home We've developed, and this is part of our church language as well, mm -hmm. we've developed a family rule of life. Yeah. And that family rule of life is marked by a few things. A, 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 an understanding of time mm. uh, that might differ from the world around us. So you mentioned Sabbath, for example. Sabbath is a really recognizing the sacredness of time. And for a 24-hour period in a given week, we are stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. You know. When I introduced our children, my, when Rosie and I introduced our children to Sabbath, since they were born, I never forgot my daughter, Karis, one day came out of school in fifth, uh, in, as a five-year-old in kindergarten uh, and saying, it's Sabbath, it's Sabbath. Wow. Um, and for her, don't, don't say wow too quick here because she wasn't thinking like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to pray and be with Jesus. She, she understood this means ice cream. Uh, sure. But, so for me, I was we were trying to... Um, make the connection that mm -hmm. these new rhythms are to be met with great joy. And so what's a, a deeply formed family look like is marked by joy is marked mm -hmm. by a new set of rhythms mm -hmm. is marked by a particular structuring of life. Uh, that includes of course, things like prayer and conversations around scripture, but also joy and delight uh, and all those things. So, uh, and then from a content perspective, you know, because the deeply formed life is organized around five different areas um, 
a home that's marked by this way of life is going to make space for silence. Mm. Is going to make space for conversations around race. Is going to make space for interior examination. So uh, my son Nathan feels every feeling. Uh, he teaches me how to be human. It's very difficult because he goes from anger to joy in a New yeah. York second. And a New York second is the time between the light turning green and the sound of a, hon a horn, you know? So it's, it's very quick, you know? <laughs> sure, sure, so, sure. so he just goes very quickly back yeah. and forth. But we've tried to train our children, disciple our children to pay attention to their interior world. Yeah. So, you know, what, so at the dinner table, we might ask four questions. What are you mad about? Sad about? Angry about? Anxious about? No, mad, sad, anxious, glad about. We're trying to help our children identify what's happening beneath the surface. Having conversation about sexuality in our bodies. I mean, th this is what's happening in our home. Totally. Talking about justice and mission. Uh, and so the deeply formed life is, again, how do we take those particular aspects and make it accessible um, in our homes, which uh, is not rooted around a program. These things are happening around the dinner table mm -hmm. uh, in a very organic um, unforced ways, yeah. uh, although there's some strategy and some planning behind it. Yeah. Well, oh man, I say, I say, wow, about the five-year-old coming out and saying Sabbath because yeah, there's so much, there's just such delight to that. Uh, man, praise God. I'm a, my son's four and a half right now. And just hearing, hearing his voice say the word Sabbath in my head is giving <laughs> me a lot of joy, but the, that foundation, right? Regardless of if Sabbath, it was about ice cream at that time, mm -hmm. right? There's not a level of re-education that has to happen. There's not a level That's of, true. Um, oh, I have to sort of explain this to you. That's true. And that really deeply matters. Yeah. You know, for Awana, you know, that's why scripture engagement was always so, such a foundation of who we are, right? Because the, we understood from an early time in our ministry that taking the time to invest in the ways of Jesus was never going to return void. Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask you about is you have this role as senior pastor mm -hmm. and you, you've talked about these rhythms as your family, how they're happening around the dinner table and you've created these conversations. You've created these pathways for, for these conversations around the dinner table where your kids can come to you with anything. Mm -hmm. Your kids have access and feel like, when they're going to have these questions, when the world is going to bring them a different narrative, they know they can go to you and your wife for these things, mm -hmm. which is somewhat is what we want because we want them pursuing those relationships with their, with the primary disciple makers yeah. as opposed to going to the internet. Um, yet we know that often parents may not feel as equipped for discipleship mm -hmm. as y'all do. And we know that, Leaders sometimes who are watching this may not even feel equipped to answer some of those questions that you guys are trying to wrestle with. Yeah. How do you give yourself permission when your kids are coming in with some of those big feelings, when your kids are coming in with questions that you may not have your answer to, to walk through some of that uncertainty? Yeah. Because I think it's crucial for people to understand that living in this space doesn't mean having all the answers. It just means living in the space. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the unfortunate understandings that people have about discipleship is that it's primarily about giving very clear answers to some of the world's most complex problems. And um, more than just giving clear answers, I think what's desperately needed is a calm presence. 
um, children are not looking more for answers than they're looking for people who are attentive to them. Mm. And I think at some point, those questions need to be circled back with, um, hey, here's a way of thinking about this through scripture. Yeah. Or here's might be a helpful principle for you to hold on to with this question. But when they're coming to talk about matters of uh, faith, doubts, uh, sexuality, uh, injustice in the world, uh, one of the great gifts that we can give them is simply a calm presence, which means the greatest task then is our ability to self-regulate, our ability to monitor our own anxiety, to monitor our own reactivity, to be able to take deep breaths and say, I have no clue what to say right now, but I want to be as attentive and uh, offer incarnational presence and listening as possible. And I think that's 90% of it. If children know there is a safe space where I can go and I might not get all the questions, you know, all my questions answered, but that space becomes a container to even process out loud. uh, I'm going to come back here. I'm going to come back again. And I think that's our primary role, not to be theologians. Um, my son, uh, nine years old, uh, from time to time, I'll say, Nathan, um, what question do you have about God? What question do you have about the Bible? And he'll ask a question as nine year olds do that. I'm just like, I have no clue how to answer that question. And what he's looking for now is of course, conversation and all that there, but he's not looking for the, all the clear answers. He's looking for, Hey, can we have a dialogue here? which means I need to pay attention to my own presence now in that space there. Mm-hmm. And if I'm really about getting the answer right, I might miss something else that he's looking for in that space. So, which is why I don't ask him that question as much as I used to, because I'm just like, I have no clue. <laughs> His questions are so creative and uh, I have no clue, you know, what to do with it. So, but I think calm presence more than clear answers mm-hmm. is um, the first step towards discipleship. That's so good. The answers man. are good. But uh, if they have answers without presence, um, I think that leads to another set of problems. Mm-hmm. Because I think too often the church is known for its answers, not its presence. Yes. And having answers is ultimately going to lead to people who, especially in today's world, today's lack of nuance. Yes. And conversation. You know, the joy, the, the joy of being able to sit down with you is being able to have a nuanced conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's not, a, there's not enough of those things. And being able to be at a church that's known for its presence, being able to s- sit with your parents mm-hmm. and you know that every time you sit with them, they're going to do their best to give you their presence yeah. is such a tremendous gift. Mm-hmm. And what I hope that leaders hear in that answer too, is that you can do that as the kingdom leader, mm-hmm. that, that, that five-year-old who is coloring next to you. And then turns to you and asks the deepest theological question you've ever heard. <laughs> right. What they are after is your presence. Yeah. You know, the language I want to use is belonging, right? They are after making sure that this is a space where they feel like they can belong. Mm-hmm. And then going to where we started this conversation, trusting that God is ultimately going to be doing the work, dare I say, of discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing I would ask. We are here, like I said earlier, live at the 2023 Child Discipleship Forum. And I would love if you, if we could end this conversation in prayer yeah. for those, the leaders who are experiencing this conversation, but also those who are here, mm. um, and the future of the faith. Yeah, absolutely. 
Lord, as we think about um, this gathering and the work that's happening through Awana, uh, I pray that a deep life of prayer and contemplation would emerge from us, a life of being with you um, that shapes us to be with others, that shapes us to be a calm presence to those in the next generation who have lots of questions and anxieties. And so, Lord, um, may we uh, live our lives uh, abiding in you, live our lives with our focused attention on you um, in, in such a way that um, your work of the Spirit begins to help us to abide with others well. Uh, thank you for the ways you are at work right now in various ministries around the world. And I pray that this would be a season in the life of this community that would see much fruit uh, emerge. And so, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Um, work within our own hearts, work within our own ministries, work with the teens and the children that we have privilege to work with. And uh, ultimately, Lord, may we all be deeply formed in you. May, like Paul said in Galatians 4, um, may we all be formed uh, in Jesus and may Jesus be formed in us. And so we hold all these things before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.